Hunter Biden's business partner says Joe was in on Hunter's business activities the whole time. The FBI announces Iranian interference in the election, and Rudy Giuliani finds himself targeted by Borat. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let others track what you do. Keep yourself safe at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. And tonight is debate night, so there's an awful lot of news. But first, let's talk about how you can save some money quickly and easily. I'm talking about that cell phone bill. So you look at that cell phone bill, you are spending a lot of money. You should be spending about half of what you're spending. But the fact is that you're not spending the proper amount because you are buying unlimited data. Well, are you using unlimited data? The answer, of course, is no. The reason that these cell phone companies charge you up the wazoo is they assume you're going to use extraordinary levels of data you never use. You're basically buying out an entire airplane when you're using a couple of seats. Well, instead of doing that, why don't you just get the same exact coverage as you would get with Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, but instead of paying a fortune, instead pay a lot less. Go to Pure Talk USA right now. Look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than four gigs of data a month. The big carriers are charging you unlimited data. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over 400 bucks a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, two gigs of data, all for just 20 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. Switching to Pure Talk, it's the easiest decision you will make today. So grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro to get started and save a bunch on your cell phone bill. Okay, so late last night, news broke via the New York Post that Hunter Biden's business partner, his old business partner, has confirmed that the email exchanges that we have seen via the New York Post are not only real, but that Joe Biden was in on Hunter Biden's business activities. Now, remember, the original story here is that Hunter Biden, we knew this. I mean, this was absolutely clear. Hunter Biden was jet-setting around the world, picking up bags of cash, and he admitted openly on national television just last year that if his last name were not Biden, he would not have been able to do that. Joe claimed that he was ignorant of all of these sorts of activities. Sure, Hunter was grabbing a ride with him on Air Force Two over to China while he was vice president of the United States, but, you know, that was just all in good fun. The fact is that he was completely separated off from what Hunter was doing, and there was no indication that Hunter was corrupt anyway. And that was the story. Well, then the New York Post broke email suggesting that a meeting had actually been brokered between a Ukrainian oligarch working for Burisma and Joe Biden by Hunter Biden. And then another email exchange or a couple more email exchanges tended to suggest that maybe, just maybe, Joe Biden was receiving some of the proceeds of Hunter Biden's nefarious business activities. So we went from Hunter is doing bad stuff and Joe doesn't know about it to Hunter is doing bad stuff and Joe does know about it to Hunter is doing bad stuff and Joe is in on it, right? That is the the evolution of the story over the last couple of weeks. Well, last night, the other shoe dropped and it turns out that one of Hunter Biden's business partners is now confirming that Joe Biden was in on a lot of Hunter Biden's business activities and actually making money off of them. According to the New York Post, Michael Goodwin reporting, we learned that Biden has been secretly playing footsie with China, a statement on Wednesday night asserting that the former vice president was a willing and eager participant in a family scheme to make millions of uh, to make millions of dollars by partnering with a shady Chinese communist firm is a singular event in a presidential race already overflowing with drama and intrigue. The dynamite assertion, believable because it aligns with earlier information we know to be true, came in a statement by Tony Bobolinsky, who describes himself as a former partner of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and Joe's brother Jim in the China scheme. Bobolinsky unloads his bill of accusations in blunt, but precise language and detail. He actually released a rather long statement to the New York Post. Here is what it says. My name is Tony Bobolinsky. The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I am, a, I am the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden and Rob Walker. That email is genuine. 
This afternoon, I received a request from the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs and the Senate Committee on Finance requesting all documents relating to my business affairs with the Biden family, as well as various foreign entities and individuals. I have extensive relevant records and communications, and I intend to produce those items to both committees in the immediate future. I am the grandson of a 37-year Army intelligence officer, the son of a 20-plus year career naval officer, and the brother of a 28-year career naval flight officer. I myself served our country for four years and left the Navy as Lieutenant Bobulinski. I held a high-level security clearance and was an instructor and then CTO for Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. I take great pride in, in the time my family and I served this country. I am also not a political person. What few campaign contributions I have made in my life were to Democrats. If the media and big tech companies had done their jobs over the past several weeks, I would be irrelevant in this story. Given my long-standing service and devotion to this great country, I could no longer allow my family's name to be associated or tied to Russian disinformation or implied lies and false narratives dominating the media right now. After leaving the military, says Bobulinski, I became an institutional investor, investing extensively around the world and on every continent. I've traveled to over 50 countries. I believe, hands down, we live in the greatest country in the world. What I'm outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am CEO of Sinahawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gilliar and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much-publicized May 13th, 2017 email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB referenced in that email is Jim Biden, Joe's brother. Okay, so the email that he is talking about is this May 13th, 2017 email that suggested that 20% of the company was to be held for Hunter Biden and 10 was to go to, quote-unquote, the big guy. This is the email that implicates Joe Biden in possible actual corrupt activity. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman, according to Tony Bobulinski, and frequently referenced asking him for his sign-off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I realized the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial ROI, return on investment. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. Once I realized that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese, I took steps to prevent that from happening. The Johnson Report, this would be the the Ron Johnson report from the Senate Intelligence Committee or Homeland Security Committee connected some dots in a way that shocked me. It made me realize the Bidens had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so I can go back to being irrelevant and so I'm not put in a position to have to answer these questions for them. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family names make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from the communist-controlled Chinese. God bless America. That is the statement of Tony Bobulinski. Okay, so if that is true, then that is a massive, massive bombshell, obviously, because now you are looking at a person who should have been in a position to know, saying that Joe Biden was in on all of Hunter Biden's business activities, apparently while he was serving in the government, right? While Joe Biden was serving in the government, apparently he was working with Hunter Biden to clear checks is the accusation here by Tony Bobulinski. Now, the accusation is credible if Tony Bobulinski was in the position that he's talking about, which apparently he was. If he was, then I don't see why the media can avoid asking questions about this any longer. After all, we are told that an allegation can be judged credible on its face and then requires questioning. You remember when Christine Blasey Ford came forward with an accusation that Brett Kavanaugh had raped her back during his teenage years some 30 to 40 years ago, and this was treated as a credible accusation until the point when it fell apart. Well, if somebody makes an accusation like this on the record by name, and they say that they were in the know, and that Hunter Biden was negotiating on behalf of Joe Biden trade deals or, or, or some sort of investment deal with a Chinese front group, 
and Joe Biden was set to make money off of that, well, then some serious questions ought to be asked of Hunter and Joe Biden. As I've said before, this is not hard. Right? All the journalistic community has to do is their job. All they have to do is say to Joe Biden, you know, you said that you didn't know about anything Hunter Biden was doing. We have pictures of you with Kazakh entrepreneurs. We have a picture of you, you know, with Hunter Biden getting off that airplane at, on Air Force Two. We now have reports that you were meeting with high-ranking members of the Chinese business community at Hunter's behest. Right? We now have this report. So what's the deal? Did you know or did you not know? And we, it's not going to be sufficient for you to simply say that you don't have to answer any questions because Donald Trump is the focus of the campaign. That is an, that is an ending around of the issue. You actually have to answer those sorts of questions. Will the media do any of that? Probably not. The fact is that the media are so in the bag for Biden at this point that they've been more focused on blocking the dissemination of the story and reporting on how the story was reported than they have on the actual content of the story. They are deeply, deeply hesitant to ask Joe Biden anything about this stuff because they are afraid that the answer might mean that Donald Trump wins a victory. And the media have decided Donald Trump must not win this election. And therefore, they're simply not going to ask questions about it at all. Right? They, will, they will go along for three years with the allegations of the Steele dossier claiming that Robert Mueller was in the background putting together a damning case against Donald Trump that would end with his indictment for collusion with Russia. None of that materialized. But when it comes to this, they will not ask questions. They won't. And in fact, they get angry if you ask them to ask questions. So, for example, Brian Stelter has a new book from CNN, Captain Reliable Sources over here. He, he was interviewed by a longtime congressional reporter named Susan Ferecchio, and she challenged him over the veracity of Hunter Biden's emails. And Brian Stelter got very angry about this because members of the media don't like to be called on the fact that they have an extraordinary double standard when it comes to reporting stories that are obviously stories. Here is Brian Stelter losing his mind when asked very simple questions about why the media double standard with regard to, for example, the Steele dossier and Russian collusion and Hunter Biden's emails. Bottom line is we don't know what is real and what is fake in these emails, if there is anything real in them. Yeah, but and that doesn't stop any from, from, from reporting the Mueller and the dossier and all I that stuff. You're bitter. Now, I understand that you have a lot of resentment oh, about that. Now, now we have ethics. Okay, now I, we have ethics. Now that now it's da- don't you dare. Don't you dare act like newsrooms didn't have ethics in 2017 and 2018. Well, I you know they, they did. did. Oh, well, you can't. You can don't dare me all you want, Brian. I've been doing this for 30 years. So say whatever you want. It's my view. Meanwhile. Joe Biden, knowing just how extraordinarily in the bag the media are for him, he keeps saying that the story's already been debunked. The story's not been debunked. Not one aspect of the story has been debunked. Members of the Biden campaign have said that these emails are authentic, or at least they have refused to deny that they are authentic. I mean, when asked repeatedly, not one detail of the story has yet been debunked. Biden has not addressed any aspect of the story. So he was asked by a media member from Wisconsin via Zoom about this, and he just said, I'm not going to answer any questions on this because, you know, I just don't think it's legit. Is there any legitimacy to Senator Johnson's claims? None whatsoever. This is the same garbage Rudy Giuliani, Trump's henchman. It's the last-ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. Even the man who served with him on that committee, the former nominee for the Republican Party, said there's no basis to this. And, you know, and all and the vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. OK, that's Ron not correct. should be ashamed of himself. Not a word of this is correct. Not a word of this is correct. OK, the allegations that are being made are on the basis of new information that has been uncovered and presented over the course of the last three weeks. No one in the intelligence community with any credibility and with any inside information has found that this is, in fact, quote unquote, Russian disinformation. Nonetheless, that is what Biden is relying upon. He's relying on the the folks over at Twitter and Facebook to suppress the dissemination of the story so that he can be elected president. 
It's that simple. And Joe Biden is out there, Dr. Jill, she's out there suggesting that these are just smears against the family. This election is not about Joe Biden or Jill Biden or Kamala or Doug. It is about the American people. The American people don't want to hear these smears against my family. The American people are struggling right now. I mean, they're in the midst of all this chaos. They're trying to figure out how to put food on the table. You know, they don't have jobs. They, they need health care. Americans don't want to hear this. Distract and spin. Americans don't want to hear it. Therefore, you shouldn't even bother asking the question, says Dr. Joe. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris says, Joe wouldn't talk about other people's kids. He wouldn't talk about other people's kids, Joe. He's just such a nice guy. Well, I mean, I think that he might if he thought that the election depended on it. In fact, I have a feeling that within the next week and a half, if the Hunter Biden email story continues to percolate, that you will see Kamala Harris and Joe Biden mentioning the supposed allegations of corruption against the Trump kids. I would, I would suspect that that is the case, and you'll start hearing that from the DNC very shortly. Here is Kamala Harris saying this. That people want to hear about how we're going to help working people get through the end of the month and pay their rent. That's what people care about. And, you know, one of the things I love about Joe Biden, he doesn't take on or talk about other people's kids. Okay, sure, sure. We'll see how long that lasts, because all of these standards go by the wayside as soon as they become politically inconvenient. Okay, here, here's the bottom line. The Biden campaign has called the lid on the campaign. The campaign's over from their perspective. All they're going to do is run out the clock. And maybe it's a good strategy. If you look at the polls right now, Joe Biden is certainly in the lead, right? If you just look at the polling data, he's in the lead. But that could change. The only thing that would change is some sort of extraneous shock to the system. That shock could come in the form of the Hunter Biden email. So best policy, lock down and just wait on it. Now, right now, the polls seem to be tightening just a little bit. We have seen two polls in the last three days that suggests that this race is a lot closer than previously suggested. We've got this IBD-TIPP poll that came out yesterday that suggests that Biden is up only two, 49 to 47 over Trump. Let's put it this way. If the popular vote comes down to a two-point margin, Trump probably wins the election. There's another poll from Rasmussen that suggests that Biden is up only three points, 49 to 46. And that's not enough of a margin for him to win the election. If it's that close, in all likelihood, Trump wins those swing states again. There are two other polls, one from Reuters, one from The Economist, both with Biden up nine. So we have a real division between the polls and how they are seeing this thing. When it comes to the battleground states, everything seems to be closing within a certain margin of error. If we look at the states right now, Biden is up only by about two points in Florida. He's up about five points in Pennsylvania. That's according to the Real Clear Politics polling average. He's up much larger in Michigan. He's only up about five in Wisconsin. He's up about two in North Carolina. He's up about three in Arizona. So if there's any movement in the polls toward Trump, like any solid movement in the polls toward Trump, then Biden is in real trouble. He may be up nationally, and he may be looking like he's in good shape. There's still two weeks to this election. So Biden's goal here was to call a lid on the campaign, and you can see it in real time. Right? Biden is doing Zoom calls, and his people are jumping in and being like, you know what? That's all the time we have. We'll catch you later. Joe Biden's campaign is just a leave-me-alone, focus-on-Donald-Trump campaign. We'll see if that's effective if the Hunter Biden story begins to actually break. Now, here is a Joe Biden staffer on a Zoom call literally just calling a lid in the middle of the actual interview. We owe them a great deal. Amy, Are you worried about? Time, that's all the time we have for today. Can I ask one more, please? Okay, well, that's all the time. Catch you later. Catch you later. And that's the theme of the Biden campaign. That's all the time we have for today. Then we can get back to, to yelling at, at Donald Trump. Okay, in just a second, we got we to talk about some other breaking news. This from the FBI suggesting that the Iranians are attempting to interfere in the election on behalf of, wait for it, wait for it, Joe Biden. I know we're not supposed to talk about that. Only Russian interference on behalf of Trump is what we're supposed to talk about. We're never supposed to talk about Chinese interference or Iranian interference, both of which have been confirmed by the FBI on behalf of Joe Biden. But 
That broke out into the open yesterday with a late-night press conference. We'll talk about that in just one second. First, let's talk about the thousand reasons to protect your home. So maybe you're concerned about crime, or maybe you are just wanting to keep track of your kids. I know that I've got three kids under the age of seven, and that means that they are little suicide machines running around attempting to hurt themselves all the time. But one thing that gives me peace of mind is knowing who's at the front door, knowing what's going on all over my property, and that's why I rely on Ring. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are right from your phone. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring will let you know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing that your home is protected. Whatever you call home, Ring has everything you need to protect it. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. Keep an eye on every corner of your house with the easy-to-install indoor and outdoor cams. Protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable whole home security system you can easily install yourself. I've been using Ring for years to protect my property. There are situations in which it has come in extremely handy, namely like when my kids are about to hurt themselves and I just sprint from one room to the other to stop them. With Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit right now at ring.com slash Ben. It comes with Ring's, Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience, plus free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Okay, meanwhile, the U.S. government concluded last night that Iran has been attempting to manipulate the elections. John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, he announced yesterday that this was happening. So did, apparently, Christopher Ray of the FBI. The FBI warned that there was an attempt to manipulate the elections. Here was the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, explaining that Iran is attempting to interfere on behalf of Joe Biden. We have already seen Iran sending spoofed emails designed to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump. Additionally, Iran is distributing other content to include a video that implies that individuals could cast fraudulent ballots, even from overseas. This video and any claims about such allegedly fraud, fraudulent ballots are not true. Okay, so there's an attempt to undermine credibility of the election, and it is coming, in fact, from, yes, Russia, but also Iran, also Iran. One particular aspect of this story is that Iran is behind an email operation that was directed at intimidating voters, that they were masquerading as the Proud Boys and sending emails to various Democrats and threatening them. According to the Washington Post, the disclosure by the Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, at a hastily called the news conference marked the first time this election cycle a foreign adversary has been accused of targeting specific voters in a bid to undermine Democratic confidence just four years after Russian online operations marred the 2016 presidential vote. Now, of course, Russian operations in 2016, there's not a lot of proof that it shifted anybody. All of their supposed misdirection on places like Facebook, it amounted to a tiny drop in the enormous ocean of social media content. However, this is a little more serious. The claim that Iran was behind an email operation, which came into view on Tuesday as Democrats in several states reported receiving emails demanding they vote for President Trump, was leveled without specific evidence. Other U.S. officials speaking privately stressed that Russia still remained the major threat to the 2020 election. Oh, well, you can always find somebody in the intelligence community to talk about Russia, 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 because Trump, of course, is so bad. However, it was the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, suggesting, in fact, that what was happening here is that the Iranians masquerading as the Proud Boys had been attempting to email people and, and gin up election interference on behalf of Joe Biden, right? So it wasn't meant to intimidate the Democrats so much as it was meant to promote the idea that the Proud Boys were acting on behalf of Donald Trump and therefore attempting to suppress the vote. On Thursday, Iran summoned the Swiss envoy in Tehran, which handles U.S. affairs there, to condemn the quote-unquote baseless accusations of meddling in the U.S. election. 
According to Alireza Mergusefi, these accusations are nothing more than another scenario to undermine voter confidence and are absurd. Iran has no interest in interfering in the U.S. election and no preference for the outcome. Okay, that is obviously untrue. Iran would certainly prefer Joe Biden. Donald Trump has killed the Iran deal. Donald Trump has facilitated the rise of an Israeli-Arab alliance in the region. Donald Trump has cut off the Iranian regime at the knees and Joe Biden pledges to prop them up again. So obviously the Iranians prefer the Biden campaign. And they've made this perfectly obvious. I mean, this is, this is not a secret in any way, shape, or form. The emails claimed to be from a pro-Trump group called the Proud Boys, but evidence had mounted they were, in fact, the work of another hidden actor. U.S. officials said that was Iran, a nation that has increasingly clashed with the president in recent years. Oh, see, Iran was totally fine until Trump was elected. Then Iran clashed with the president, according to the Washington Post. Not that they murdered a bunch of American soldiers in Iraq. Not that Iran has been a threat to American national security since 1979. No, it's really just Trump. Officials did stress the integrity of the election was intact. Former FBI, uh, well, FBI Director Christopher Wray was standing next to Ratcliffe. He said, we're not going to tolerate foreign interference or any criminal activity that threatens the sanctity of your vote or undermines public confidence in the outcome of the election. Ratcliffe accused Iran of using the data to send spoofed emails designed to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump naturally. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer immediately told NBC's Rachel Maddow from the briefing, I had the strong impression it was much rather to undermine confidence in election and not aimed at any particular figure. Oh, it wasn't about helping. It wasn't about helping Biden, as it turns out. It was just about undermining election confidence generally. Oh, oh, oh so that, that's what's happening here. What exactly were these emails? Well, the emails were apparently engineered by someone working at the behest of the Iranian government, according to a U.S. official who spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the matter's sensitivity. The operation appeared to exploit a vulnerability in the Proud Boys online network. The messages advised that the group was, quote, in possession of all your information and instructed voters to change their party registration and cast their ballots for Trump. You will vote for Trump on Election Day or we will come after you, warned the emails, which by Tuesday night were said to have reached voters in as many as four states, three of them contested swing states. U.S. officials said the operation was not terribly sophisticated and was disclosed before it could have any major impact. Ratcliffe also confirms that Iran is distributing a video implying that individuals should cast fraudulent ballots even from overseas. The video was posted on a Twitter account that has since been suspended. Okay, so there is so the good news is that the FBI uncovered this. We also know that Iran wants Biden to be president. We know that China wants Biden to be president, which should tell you something about where we stand on foreign policy. We won't get any foreign policy tonight in the debate, by the way. There'll be no foreign policy. We'll have two debates, no foreign policy. Foreign policy, by the way, is the greatest point of differentiation between Trump and Biden. Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy issue of his lifetime, every single one, without exception. It's incredible. Okay, but it is important to note here that the Iranian disinformation, the same people who are shouting Russian disinformation, were promoting Iranian disinformation. They were promoting the idea that the Proud Boys had actually sent these emails. The, the Lincoln Project bros, who are clear in that sweet, sweet grifter, grifter cash, they put out a tweet promoting Iranian disinformation, actually. Just a few days ago, quote, the Proud Boys are attempting to scare voters away from the polls. This is punishable by up to a year in jail and a blatant attempt to prevent people from voting. Let's find them and make them famous. I, I haven't seen the, uh, the Lincoln Project suspended from Twitter as of yet. And New York Post is still suspended from Twitter, by the way, for printing the Hunter Biden story. But uh, apparently totally fine for the Lincoln Project to promote actual Iranian disinformation. So that's exciting stuff. And meanwhile, we draw closer to the debate. A lot of debates inside the Trump camp over how to handle this debate, should Trump present a positive mission for the vision for the country or should he attack Biden? Well, I mean, here's the reality. The positive vision for the country, that, that ship has sailed. I don't think that Donald Trump talking in, in glowing positive ways 
is going to be particularly effective. Everybody has their perception of Trump. The only thing that could change in this race is the perception of Biden. And that is why the Hunter Biden email story is so important with regard to Donald Trump's campaign. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about how easy it is for hackers to grab your information and use it against you. There's one particular method of hacking, one particular method of identity theft that is extremely damaging. It's called home title theft. Okay, here's how easy it is. The legal title to your home, it's digitized, it's kept on government and business servers and in the cloud where they can be hacked. A cyber thief finds your home's title, forges your signature on a quick claim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Done. Then he just takes out loans against your home until all your equity is gone, leaves you in debt. You won't know until the collection calls pour in. Insurance doesn't protect you. Neither do common identity theft programs. This is why you should check out Home Title Lock today. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect tampering, they help shut it down cold. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then use code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That is code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Once more, HomeTitleLock.com. Use code RADIO and get 30 free days of protection. Make sure that nobody is taking your most valuable asset and then subjecting it to the predations of the identity theft black web. Use code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so how's this debate going to play out tonight? According to the New York Times, Republicans would like to see the president offer an affirmative vision for the country and draw policy contrast with Mr. Biden in terms that resonate with the few undecided voters remaining. But Trump, with his history of indiscipline and invective, has struggled to define Biden this year, and he is running short on time. Trump's advisors hope he can get under Biden's skin on Thursday at the debate in Nashville. That will begin at 9 p.m. Eastern. They've also urged the president not to interrupt Biden repeatedly. Well, that, that can't really happen too much because they have now the ability to cut the mics. The president, in order to have a successful debate, has to go on offense without being offensive, said Brett O'Donnell, a Republican strategist who has coached candidates in debates. The American people care more about their own family than they do about the family of Hunter Biden, especially during the pandemic. Okay, that's true. That's true. But it is also true that if people start to perceive Joe Biden as a corrupt old Washington crony, which in all likelihood he is, I mean, going back years and years and years, there are all sorts of reports of his son Hunter making bank off of connections to the Biden name. This goes all the way back to Joe Biden shilling on behalf of credit card companies while his son was picking up checks from some of the people lobbying on behalf of those bills. That, that fact could harm Joe Biden, and it's important that Trump bring it up for sure. Well, it's because the Hunter Biden story is, uh, is important to the Trump campaign that you're starting to see uh, it, what, what looks very much like sort of an organized campaign to go after Rudy Giuliani. Now, Rudy Giuliani, this is a, this is a dude who is likely... To, uh, to get himself into trouble on a fairly regular basis. Right, Rudy Giuliani is a, is a wild character for sure. That is, that is for certain. That does not mean that the media are not willing to run with overtly false stories about Rudy Giuliani. So yesterday, there were two stories about Rudy Giuliani. It turns out that both were basically false. So the first came courtesy of Borat. So Borat apparently was Phil, Sasha Baron Cohen, whose uh, films are, are wildly overrated. Uh, when I say they're wildly overrated, I mean, when he's actually acting, he's quite good. When he's not acting, when he's doing this sort of Borat shtick, it, it's honestly, it's kind of boring and ridiculous. Okay, when, when, when he's acting, like he, he did this uh, Netflix series on an Israeli spy named uh, Eli Cohen, and it's really good. It's really quite good. I've heard that his performance in the uh, Aaron Sorkin film on the uh, Chicago 7, that that's pretty good too. But the Borat stuff has gotten real old. One of the reasons it's gotten old is because he tends to target ordinary Americans. I don't really care if he targets public figures and politicians for sort of these pranks and pratfalls. But he goes after ordinary Americans and tries to humiliate them and very often uses their politeness against them. So he will go say something deeply offensive. Nobody will speak out against him or punch him in the face. And then he'll be like, oh, these people must agree with that. It's, it's a really cheap tactic. Okay, so when it comes to Rudy Giuliani, he apparently 
he and, uh, and a woman named Maria Bakalova, who plays his daughter in his new Borat re redo. It's Borat the Return. They meet with Rudy Giuliani. According to NBC News, Rudy Giuliani, President Donald Trump's personal lawyer, fell for an embarrassing Sasha Baron Cohen prank in the soon-to-be-released movie sequel to Borat in the film, a copy of which was obtained by NBC News. Giuliani and a young woman posing as a reporter who was part of Cohen's sting can be seen going into a hotel bedroom for drinks at the woman's invitation after completing what Giuliani apparently believed to be a real interview about the COVID pandemic and Trump's response to it. The incident occurred as Giuliani, 76, was trying to remove his microphone with the help of the actress, which has been used as part of the movie's interview with him. The film, which is being released Friday on Amazon Prime Video, shows Giuliani reclining on a bed and putting his hand down his pants and moving it around for what appears to be a few seconds while the actress playing Borat's teenage daughter, Maria Bakalova, 24, who's pretending to be a television reporter, stands in front of him. At this point, Borat runs into the room shouting, she's 15, she's too old for you. Giuliani quickly sits up and appears to be startled by the presence of Cohen, who wears a pink outfit that resembles lingerie. Giuliani asks him, why are you dressed like this? Cohen, as Borat responds, she's my daughter. Please take me instead. I don't want you, Giuliani replies. He then apparently called the cops on Borat. Giuliani claimed, I love this. I love this. NBC News, listen to how NBC News characterizes this. In a tweet Wednesday afternoon, Giuliani claimed without evidence that the, quote, Borat video is a complete fabrication. I was tucking in my shirt after taking off the recording equipment, Giuliani tweeted. At no time before, during, or after the interview was I ever inappropriate. If Sasha Baron Cohen implies otherwise, he's a stone-cold liar. Beyond what is seen in the movie, NBC News does not know what happened before or after the filmed incident. The film also features a scene in which Bakalova asks Giuliani about the coronavirus pandemic. He responds, China manufactured COVID-19 and deliberately spread it all over the world. I don't think anybody was eating bats, he adds, before jokingly asking her if she has ever eaten a bat. He appears to agree to eat one, if she will. The prank is one of the most notable in the Borat sequel. Okay, now Giuliani had said in early July this happened, that he called the New York City Police Department after the setup. He thought it was some sort of blackmail routine. Giuliani said, this guy comes running in wearing a crazy, what I would say was a pink transgender outfit. This person comes in yelling and screaming. I thought this must be a scam or a shakedown, so I reported it to the cops. He then ran away. I only later realized it must have been Sasha Baron Cohen. I thought about all the people he previously fooled. I felt good about myself because he didn't get me. Okay, so this was reported yesterday in great guffawing detail by the media. Now, quick rule of thumb for all public figures. Never go into a private area with a... with a fe- The Pence rule applies. Okay, don't go into a private area with a female rapport, particularly like a hotel bedroom. Okay, nothing good is going to happen there. Okay, that is just on a moral level, on a, a level of caution... Don't be an idiot, right? This one falls under don't be an idiot for Rudy Giuliani. However, however, what the film apparently shows is not Rudy Giuliani reaching down his pants, Jeffrey Tubin style. It does appear to show Giuliani, who is 76, attempting to get a microphone off of himself. Ben Dreyfus, who is certainly no right winger, right? he's the editorial director of Mother Jones. He tweeted this out, quote, I have now seen the scene with Rudy Giuliani and though it is creepy for other reasons, it is being described on Twitter in a false way. He does not have his hand down his shirt, his pants in a sexual way. He is tucking his shirt back in after she untucks it, removing his mic. Also, the bad thing is a joke she prompts, and he just politely agrees. Right, so it is not that Giuliani is suggesting they eat bat together. The scene is confusingly edited for comedic purposes, which makes sense since this is a comedy film and not a 60 Minutes expose. It would be good to keep that in mind in light of the flattening of media where everything can seem like everything else. There are parts of this scene that are creepy, though. In the same scene, he passed around her low back in a very weird way. You'll be able to find stuff you don't like watching it, but I do not think the description of the hands and the pants thing is fair. Okay, so this is this is being obviously misconstrued deliberately by the media, right? NBC News says that there's no reason to, to suggest, he's saying without evidence that the thing is a fabrication. Well, no, the, the take on it is a fabrication, right? That Giuliani was uh, reaching down into his pants for things other than tucking in 
his shirt. Giuliani tweeted out, the Borat video is a complete fabrication. I was tucking in my shirt after taking off the recording equipment. At no time before, during, or after the interview was I ever inappropriate. If Sasha Baron Cohen implies otherwise, he's a stone-cold liar. In fact, the New York Post today reports, it looks to me like an exaggeration through editing. As soon as I realized it was a setup, I called the police, which has been noted in the Hollywood Reporter article on July 8th. This is an effort to blunt my relentless exposure of the criminality and depravity of Joe Biden and his entire family. Deadline Hollywood reports CAA had a distribution screening in September where there was no mention of the scene holding any importance. We are preparing for much bigger dumps off of the hard drive from hell of which Joe Biden will be unable to defend or hide from. I have the receipts. Okay, so Giuliani is claiming that this is all basically a setup. Now, two things can be true at once. Again, Giuliani should not be going into hotel rooms with 24-year-old women. This is a, a foolish move. It can also be true that he didn't do anything actually inappropriate. And according to Kyle Smith of National Review, who has also seen the scene, he didn't actually do anything inappropate. So that's that. Doesn't matter. The media, I mean, this was the headline on Drudge. Rudy, two exclamation points. Picture of Rudy lying down on the bed, putting his hands down his pants. Right? Deliberately misleading stuff. Falsely reported stuff. I don't see Twitter censoring any of that stuff. Twitter also apparently did not censor this story in which a college student posed as Ivanka Trump and pretended that he had had text exchanges with Rudy Giuliani. It turns out that that was not true. It was retweeted. It was put out there by half of the blue checkmark media yesterday. This idea that Giuliani had been texting with Ivanka because he's an idiot. According to media, I suppose the text messages posted by college student Nick Roberts onto Twitter allegedly sent to President Donald Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani are not real. It is satire, Roberts told Mediaite on Wednesday afternoon. It's a conversation I had with my brother, he added. Most people have caught on to it being a joke, but then the national people picked it up, the college students stated, before saying that after Mediaite's tweet, reporters began reaching out in large numbers. There, was, there are these fake text messages that suggested that Ivanka Trump was, uh, was texting Giuliani and Giuliani was returning the text. Rachel Maddow tweeted out, I can't even. David Friedlander tweeted out, Rudy seems to have learned his lesson, is tightening protocols, checking IDs, and is now being taken in by someone claiming to be Ivanka Trump, but who is in fact the vice president of the College Democrats of Indiana. David Friedlander, by the way, is the editor. He's a contributing editor at Politico magazine. Journalisming up the wazoo, just tremendous levels of journalisming. MSNBC's Stephanie Rule also fell for the tweet, I can't, I can't. But again, you can doubt Rudy Giuliani's word. You're perfectly free to do that without falsifying information or reporting false information. Have any of these people been suspended from Twitter for, uh, for pushing false information? Have any of them been suppressed on Facebook for pushing false information? No, but the New York Post story on Hunter Biden, you still cannot tweet out that link as far as I know. And the New York Post is still suspended from Twitter. Don't worry, the media are not biased in any way. Not in any way. Okay, meanwhile, the, the question of the election is starting to turn to what comes next if Joe Biden is elected. Amazing, we had to get to two weeks before the election for people to start asking basic questions about what is going to happen if Joe Biden is in fact elected. As I mentioned yesterday on the show and talked about at length, there is this bizarre view that if Joe Biden is elected, all bad things stop. Now, everything goes back to supposed normal. All of the clouds are lifted. COVID goes away. The economy rebounds. Everybody is nice to each other. The lion lies down with the lamb and all of this. But here's the problem. Joe Biden is a person with an actual agenda. He's going to be handling a caucus that is basically led by Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader, should he become Senate Majority Leader, will wildly veer to the left. He's already been tut-tutting Dianne Feinstein a long time, tentpole for the Democratic Party. He's doing so because he's afraid that AOC is going to primary him inside of New York State. So watch for the Democrats to move wildly to the left. Joe Biden, you know, he may try to... I would say, I don't know, pat these people on the head and then tell them to go along their merry way. That is unlikely to be successful. 
We'll discuss that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you're consuming an awful lot of media these days. I mean, we are two weeks out from an election, and a lot of us are still stuck at home, and we can't go to a movie theater, and this means what you need is a great pair of wireless earbuds. That's why I recommend wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon's newest model, the Everyday E25s, those are the best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, more compact design, and noise-isolating fit. Raycon earbuds, they're stylish and discreet, no dangling wires, no stems. Give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy so you can make sure they are the pair of wireless earbuds for you. For a limited time, get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Ben. That is B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Ben for a special 15% discount on Raycon wireless earbuds. Make sure to check it out now while the deal is running. Buyraycon.com slash Ben. One of the things I love about my Raycons, they fit my ear perfectly. So a lot of other one-size-fits-all routines, they don't fit my ear exactly right. Raycon, they send you this, this metal card. It has a bunch of different fits for your ear. So you can customize those Raycons. They fit your ear absolutely well. Also, you can get them in a bunch of different styles and, and colors. So you can really personalize these things. And they are excellent. And they're going to cost you half of what the competitors would cost you. And you get 15% off today at buyraycon.com slash Ben. That's buyraycon.com slash Ben. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to what is on the agenda for Joe Biden and Barack Obama hits the campaign trail again. Remember when we were told that ex-president, there's a norm. Ex-presidents like George W. Bush, they go away. Barack Obama has no intention of doing so. We'll get to that in just one second. First, this year has been insane. Statues being toppled, radical rioting, looting in American cities, an entire Democratic Party embracing the 1619 Project. It feels like America is coming apart. Well, that's because it kind of is. There are underlying ideological problems in the country. There is an American philosophy. It is the philosophy of the Declaration of Independence. It is the philosophy that undergirds the Constitution of the United States. There's an American culture of entrepreneurialism, a culture of tolerance for other people's rights. There is an American history that is the story of an excellently founded country attempting to live up to its ideals. All of this is being denied by what I call disintegrationists. This is what I write about in my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You should go pick up a copy today. It is not merely a take on, on what the radical left is doing to the country and how they have ideologically shifted the country. The book is really a refresher for conservatives, it's great for young people. It's important for them to know why America is great, why it was always great, and why it will be great again. Go check out How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Once more, it is a pre-election must-read and a post-election must-read as well. Also, ever since Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, many in the press have suggested free dissemination of information on social media is the problem. They say the big problem is that Facebook allowed conservatives to say what they want. These sources from the mainstream media to members of the social media companies themselves have pressured social media leaders to reimpose from the top down a monopoly on informational dissemination that existed before the internet. They're attempting to reestablish a monopoly on information from the mainstream media. This is the kind of garbage pushed weekly by Kara Swisher and Kevin Roos at the New York Times and people like Judd Lum 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 Lum. They routinely tweet out lists of highly trafficked pages on Facebook in order to not so subtly imply that Facebook is gaming the system on behalf of conservatives and Trump. It's a lie. It's an obvious lie. That's why this week, our own co-CEO, Jeremy Boring, launched a new podcast titled Enough. In his first episode released yesterday, Jeremy takes on the leftist outlets trying to get conservatives kicked off of Facebook. Listen now at the link in the description. Subscribe to Jeremy's podcast to get his other rants about big government, big tech, Hollywood hypocrisy, and well, anything else that comes to mind when it comes to mind. So check it out. If you like it, leave a review, make it a five-star review so it gets recommended to more people. Also, more information. As with everything in 2020, there's been a lot of drama with the presidential debates, but we are ready for the next and final debate. It is happening tonight. Tonight. Join us at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific for an all-new episode of Daily Wire Backstage to watch the debate with us and get our immediate live reaction to this major political event. Even better, join Daily Wire now as an insider or all-access member. Get 20% off with code DEBATE. 
You can watch all the debate coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show exclusive Reader's Pass content, available only to Daily Wire members. If you're considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on all-access live every night for online and live stream discussions. You also get not one, but two leftist years tumblers with your membership, as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So watch the debate with us on dailywire.com, YouTube, and Facebook. Get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. You are listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So what exactly is the plan for, for Democrats beyond the election? Well, Joe Biden announced finally his plan with regard to court packing. So his plan for court packing, he announced it on CBS this morning, two weeks out from the election. It's a commission. And he says he is going to have a commission. And that commission is going to examine the problems with the politicization of the court. He said it's a controversial proposal that would add nine justices to the Supreme Court. He, he is going to put out a, a commission, of course. And so here's the reality. A lot of people on the right are going to spin that as Joe Biden you know, going soft on court packing, that he wants to court pack. What it actually suggests is that he wants to kill this thing softly. He doesn't actually want to court pack. What he wants to do is put out a sop to the various Democratic Party constituencies and then kind of let it die. In the same way, the Democrats keep calling for commissions to explore slavery reparations without actually introducing a bill at any point. So they're going to do the same thing with regard to court packing, which is somewhat quieting. I mean, I'm glad they're not attempting to pack the Supreme Court. The question is whether you think Joe Biden is actually in control of his own administration. I think the answer to that is no. Let's say that the Democrats pass something in the House. Let's say Nancy Pelosi is pressured into pushing a court packing bill. And let's say that Chuck Schumer, afraid of the AOC wing of the Democratic Party, pushes that same bill. You think that Joe Biden's going to veto it? Joe Biden ain't vetoing anything coming from the radicals in his party. He is too afraid of what they are going to do. He is too afraid that they will undermine his ability to govern. Do you think Joe Biden is more likely to reach across the aisle to Mitch McConnell or is he more likely to reach back to his radical left, especially if the possibility arises that Democrats have a heavy majority in the House as well as a majority in the Senate? At that point, he ain't reaching across the aisle to Republicans. He is reaching over to his radical left. Here is Joe Biden, however, basically attempting to kill the court packing talk by, by kind of sopping his base. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack. So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court. No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. Meanwhile, lurking in the wings is, of course, Kamala Harris. Joe Biden keeps saying that Kamala Harris is ready to be president on day one. Yeah, that's what we're afraid of, Joe. Here was Joe Biden talking about how his radical VP would make an excellent president. I must convince that we have to form an administration that looks and represents the American people across the board and also uh, someone who is ready God forbid, on day one, that they could step up and be the president of the United States. And I think Kamala met all those requirements. Okay, so, you know, that, that, that'll be fun. Because everybody knows, in reality, when you elect Joe Biden, you're not getting Joe Biden, you're getting Kamala Harris. It's worthwhile noting that even Joe Biden uh, is not exactly a non-radical. The man was a far-left member of the United States Senate for years. And if you are ready, by the way, for more lockdowns, get ready. Jill Biden yesterday was on The View. And Dr. Jill, an educator, right, she's not a doctor doctor, as in, if you have a heart attack, Jill ain't saving you. Uh, she, is a, she, is, she has her doctorate in education, I believe. But Dr. Jill 
She says, it is not safe to go back to schools based on the science, by which she means no science at all. Here she was on The View. So get ready for more lockdowns if Biden's president. Nobody wants to get back to school more than the, the teachers do, the educators. We'd give anything to be back in our classrooms. But we are listening to what the doctors and the scientists are telling us. And when it's safe to go back, we'll go back. But right now, you know, we have to do this remote learning. Okay, so they're going to go for more lockdowns. You're going to see Joe Biden basically pushed around by his own base. That is not a shock in any way, of course. Meanwhile, Barack Obama has reemerged on the campaign trail because Obama wants his revenge. Obama understands that Donald Trump's election in, 2020, in 2016 was a ringing rebuke of him. It was about Hillary, but it was also about Barack Obama. And there's always been this sort of bizarro world reverse polarization between Trump and Obama. I've told you before, one of my favorite photos in all of human history is the photo of Donald Trump visiting the White House after being elected and sitting next to Barack Obama, who has to hand the keys to this place, to Donald Trump. And it's just Obama looking like he wants to die, while Trump gives the Trump finger, the Trump finger, over here, yeah, to the cameras. And behind him and behind them is a bust of Abraham Lincoln looking at the floor. It is the funniest thing in the entire world. The fact is, all Donald Trump is, is the less sophisticated and more brazen version of Barack Obama from the right, right? Everything that Obama says about Donald Trump is true of Barack Obama. It's one of the great ironies of American political politics that Barack Obama is seen as this wonderful spokesperson for higher American ideals when he very obviously is not. So every time you hear Obama speak, you should recognize that he's actually critiquing Barack Obama. He just doesn't even know it. So Obama was out on the campaign trail for Joe Biden yesterday in Pennsylvania. And he said that you have to stop tweeting at the television. That doesn't fix things. I get that this president wants full credit for the economy he inherited and zero blame for the pandemic that he ignored. But you know what? The job doesn't work that way. Tweeting at the television doesn't fix things. Making stuff up doesn't make people's lives better. You've got to have a plan. You've got to put in the work. Okay, um, that is a man who never had a plan and really did not put in tons of work. And when I say he didn't put in tons of work, I'm not saying that he was lazy. I'm saying that he did not care about reaching across the aisle and actually making sure that his proposals got passed. His idea of work was signing executive agreements, executive orders, pen and phone governance, and speaking to media who just rubbed his ass every single day. I mean, that was literally his idea of the job. Also, uh, there's a great irony to him suggesting that it's very bad that Trump tweets about the news. I remember the Obama administration. Okay, I'm not 16 years old. I'm 36. So I remember the entirety of the Obama administration. Barack Obama found out about half the things that happened inside his administration on the news. Obama said that Hillary Clinton using a non-official system to conduct government business. He said, I found out about that through news reports. He said that he found out about the VA wait time scandal on the news. He said he found out about the IRS targeting conservative groups on the news. He said that he found out about the DOJ issuing subpoenas for the Associated Press phone records on the news. He said he found out about Fast and Furious on the news. He said he found out about the Air Force One flyover over New York City for a photo op. He said he found out about that on the news, right? Barack Obama was an observer to his own administration, according to Barack Obama. And now he's angry that Trump acts exactly the same way. Barack Obama broke all the precedents. Donald Trump was just the guy who stomped all over them and ground them into glass, and glass shards. I mean, he just into sand. Okay, same thing. So Barack Obama went after Trump's language. He said he emboldens others to be cruel and divisive. Well, again, I'm old enough to remember the Obama administration when it became stock in trade to suggest that your political opponents were bitter clingers who were evil, nasty, racist, that people as milquetoast as Mitt Romney were evil. If you want to talk about people emboldening the cruel and the divisive, 
Barack Obama was was no wilting lily in that particular department. Here is Obama going after Trump. Why would we expect and ex- accept this from the president of the United States? And how? Why are folks making excuses for that? Oh, well, that's just that's just him. No, it's no. There are consequences to these actions. They embolden other people to be cruel and divisive and racist. Oh, okay. So um, when you were suggesting that police officers around the country were systemically racist, that, that, that didn't embolden anyone, nobody. When you went to a Dallas police memorial after a bunch of officers were shot and talked about American police being bad, that didn't embolden anyone, it turns out. Hmm. Every criticism that Barack Obama makes about Trump is also true of Barack Obama. He said that Trump can't take the job seriously. Now, listen, I think a lot of this is true about Trump, by the way. I think Trump doesn't take the job particularly seriously. I think Trump does act like he is outside his own administration a lot. I think that Trump's rhetoric is very often bad. I also think that the world didn't begin spinning when Donald Trump became president. And the reason you ended up with Trump is because of Barack Obama in Maine. Here is is Barack Obama saying that Trump can't take the job seriously. This from president, I'll do an interview with Glozell. I have to appear on Between Two Ferns. I'm going to do a selfie stick picture of myself in the Oval Office. This is the same Barack Obama who spent a huge chunk of his presidency hobnobbing with various celebrities. Captain Seriousness over here. I never thought Donald Trump would embrace my vision or continue my policies, but I did hope for the sake of the country that he might show some interest in taking the job seriously. But it hasn't happened. That dude gaslit the American He hasn't shown any interest years. in doing the work. I'm sorry. He's just gaslit helping the anybody but himself and his stoppers. friends. I mean, Barack Obama treating the president. He's so irritating. He's so irritating because the media gaslit the country for eight long years. He gaslit the country for eight long years, and he's still gaslighting the country. He was the apex of seriousness as a human being. He was just the most serious. He was the most considerate, the most thoughtful, the man who was the most in-depth in terms of his knowledge, the most bipartisan, the most scandal-free. Okay, if you believe any of that, you're an idiot. None of it was true. But we were told all of it was true, and therefore, you're supposed to just listen and believe. My favorite part of Obama's little campaign stump speech on behalf of Joe Biden yesterday, a couple things that that were my favorites. So he, uh, he was talking about how there was a report in the New York Times that Donald Trump has a corporation that paid taxes in China because apparently this corporation was seeking to build a hotel in China at one point. And Barack Obama says, that, that's a crazy story. That right there, that's a bad story. I mean, if I had a bank account in China, they'd call me Beijing Barry. That's what they call me, Beijing Barry. Okay, first of all, if anyone called him Barry during his entire presidency, they were immediately labeled racist because his name is Barack, not Barry, even though he called himself Barry back in high school. Number two, the media would never call him anything. Anything. They wouldn't call him late to dinner. I mean, like, come on. Here's Barack Obama proclaiming that he was a victim of media excesses, which is just, oh my God. We know that he continues to do business with China because he's got a secret Chinese bank account. How is that possible? How is that possible? A secret Chinese bank account. Listen, can you imagine if I had had a secret Chinese bank account? When I was running for re-election, you think Fox News might have been a little concerned about that? They would have called me Beijing Barry. Okay, so um, uh, I'm glad that Barack Obama is having a fun time on the stump. Uh, Barack Obama did receive campaign contributions in 2008 from foreign sources. He later had to return them. 
Barack Obama, when it comes to foreign influence, he did promise the Russians flexibility on an open mic in his 2012 re-election campaign. And we were, we were told by the media that it was a complete nothing burger. Uh, Barack Obama, in 2008, there was a tape of Rashid Khalidi, who was a spokesperson for the Palestine Liberation Organization, like an actual terrorist organization, speaking warmly about Barack Obama. That tape was obtained by the LA Times. They never released it. Yeah, but he was a victim of the media. Surely, yeah, you're right. Donald Trump is getting a, uh, he, he's getting easy treatment by the media here. And then Barack Obama just lies to, to top all of it off. He says that Trump messed up the economy. Now, this is just a lie. I mean, this is just an overt falsehood. Donald Trump likes to claim he built this economy. But America created 1.5 million more jobs in the last three years of the Obama-Biden administration than in the first three years of the Trump-Pence administration. How you figure that? And that was before he could blame the pandemic. He did inherit the longest streak of job growth in American history. But just like everything else he inherited, he messed it up. Okay, COVID messed it up. I mean, it's just a lie. The, the assumption that the American people are too stupid to remember six months ago or 10 months ago is insane. But maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Okay, meanwhile, the Senate Democrats continue to push forward with doing nothing. So their campaign is the same as the, as the Biden campaign at this point, and that is do nothing until Donald Trump is out of the White House. So Amy Coney Barrett is moving forward toward a vote. Senate Judiciary Democrats say they're going to boycott today's vote on Amy Coney Barrett. They put out a statement. They say, this has been a sham process from the beginning. Weird, since you all participated in the judicial confirmation hearing. They say, amidst a global pandemic and ongoing an election, Republicans are rushing to confirm a Supreme Court justice to take away health care from millions and execute the extreme and deeply unpopular agenda they've been unable to get through Congress. Republicans broke the promises they made and the rules they created when they blocked Merrick Garland's nomination for eight months under, under President Obama. Then, Senate Majority Leader... Mitch McConnell said the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Now, Republicans have moved at breakneck speed to jam through this nominee, ignoring her troubling record and unprecedented evasions and breaking longstanding committee rules to set tomorrow's vote. Okay, that, nope, 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 nope. When the party of the president and the party of the Senate are not the same, senators rarely vote for the nominees of the president of the United States in an election year. That just does not happen all that often. By the way, I love that they are saying that Amy Coney Barrett has a troubling record. They literally caught her on nothing. They caught her out on nothing. And they say unprecedented evasions. Oh, you mean her use of the Ginsburg rule established by one Joe Biden on behalf of one Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Sure, sure. So Democrats say that they are not going to grant this process any further legitimacy by participating in a committee markup of this nomination just 12 days before the culmination of an election that is already underway. Okay, fine, tough. Catch you later. So they are... They are not participating in the judicial vote. Tough, tough. Again, their whole philosophy of the judiciary is completely perverse. Erwin Chemerinsky, who is a First Amendment law professor at University of California, Berkeley, has an entire piece explaining why the left hates Amy Coney Barrett so much. He says her philosophy makes her incredibly dangerous. Why? Do we really want our rights to be determined by the understandings of centuries ago? Well, you can determine your rights at the ballot box. The, the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States is tasked with interpreting a document to mean what it meant, that is not a violation of rights. It is a violation of rights to have a bunch of people like Erwin Chemerinsky sitting above you and deciding for you what your rights are. Chemerinsky says, originalists believe the meaning of a constitutional provision is fixed when it was adopted. It can be changed only by constitutional amendment. Yep. 
under the under this view, the First Amendment means the same thing as it as it did when it was adopted in 1791, and the Fourteenth Amendment means the same thing as when it was ratified in 1868. Yes, because that's how law works. Typically, law doesn't magically change and morph based on circumstance. The law means what it meant. If I write a letter to my wife today, it speaks of my feelings for my wife today. Right? It does not change. It does not morph. It is not poetry. Okay, when you write, that, that is the purpose of written language. Literally, the, the purpose of written language is to codify what people are thinking right then. Okay, you wouldn't read a book by Dostoevsky and then try to interpret it as a racial parable about America in 2020. Okay, because Dostoevsky wasn't writing about that. That's silly. Okay, but this is the silly constitutional perspective of the left. Chemerinsky says rights in the 21st century should not be determined by the understandings and views of centuries ago. That would lead to terrible results. The same Congress that voted to ratify the 14th Amendment, which assures equal protection of the laws, also voted to segregate the District of Columbia public schools. Following originalism would mean that Brown versus Board of Education was wrongly decided in declaring laws requiring segregation of schools unconstitutional. Okay, well, let, let's play that out. Let's say for a second that the court had not ruled the way that it did in Brown versus Board of Education. You know what would have happened? The Civil Rights Act of 1964. In fact, it might have happened earlier. Okay, because... As Gerald Rosenberg writes in The Hollow Hope, it is very rare that the Supreme Court is a leader in any capacity. Usually they simply follow the legislature or state legislatures and they simply forecast a little bit ahead. The attempt to override the rule of law in favor of results that you want is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But that is, of course, what Democrats want from the courts. The good news is they won't get it. So they are boycotting the Amy Coney Barrett vote. Well, tough noogies, who cares? That doesn't, that doesn't matter. This thing is going through. Meanwhile, Senate Democrats have decided to block another attempt to provide relief to the American people thanks to COVID lockdowns. According to CNBC, Senate Democrats blocked Republicans' attempts to pass a $500 billion coronavirus stimulus bill on Wednesday as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin make a last-ditch push to strike a relief deal before the 2020 election. Now, Mitch McConnell has been telling Trump not to go along with those negotiations. Why? Because McConnell knows how this works. Usually what happens is that Mnuchin gets in a room with Pelosi. He immediately gives away the entire store. Trump signs off on it. And then it turns out to be difficult to wrangle the votes in the Senate for a bad deal. So instead what he's saying is, how about this? How about we pass what we want to pass since we are the party of the, the majority in the Senate? And, uh, and then you just stand by that. And then Nancy Pelosi is the obstructionist. That is Mitch McConnell's position. It happens to be the correct position. Senate Democrats did obstruct yesterday. They once again filibustered a vote that had majority approval. And the, the measure failed in a 51 to 44 party line vote. It required 60 votes to shut down the filibuster. The stalemate in the Senate extends months of gridlock on Capitol Hill as millions of Americans trying to afford food and housing and keep their businesses open await more federal aid during an economic crisis. Election year politics have jarred the legislative process as new COVID-19 infections reach levels unseen in weeks. Republicans in Congress argue the Democrats have reached for an expensive wish list filled with many provisions unrelated to the crisis. McConnell has said the Democrats are engaging in all or nothing obstruction as they hold out for a comprehensive deal worth about $2 trillion. It's the federal government between the Federal Reserve and the money that has already been allocated by Congress. We've spent something like 6 to $7 trillion so far. Democrats want another $2 trillion not a narrow relief package tailored to helping people in the now. They want to bail out states for all of their bad union contracts going back years. They want a bunch of unrelated provisions stacked into a giant pork bill. Democrats, meanwhile, say that the bill is, quote unquote, partisan and emaciated. The legislation before the Senate on Wednesday included funds for a second paycheck protection program loan for struggling small businesses, a $300 per week supplemental unemployment insurance benefit, and liability protections for businesses, among other provisions. It didn't include another round of direct payments to people. Instead, it was designed to get 
businesses up and running again. Both Pelosi and Mark Meadows said they aim to have a deal in place before the end of the week. But of course, every time the White House takes a step toward the Democrats' position, they risk losing Republican support. And it is unlikely that McConnell is going to bring forth a bill that does not have at least a majority of Republicans in support of the bill. So Democrats continue to obstruct COVID relief. That is no shock. They have very little interest in the needs of the American people. This is all about electioneering at this point. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Plus, go subscribe over to Daily Wire because tonight is the final presidential debate. We'll be covering that live. Also, tune in tomorrow for my debate recap. I'm sure it'll be a doozy. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Democrats contrive a new non-troversy about President Trump. Rudy Giuliani gets caught adjusting his microphone. That's a big scandal. And leftists argue that social media are biased in favor of conservatives. How about that? Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 